Welcome to Passion Life Church. We have realized that the time has come that for you and I, that we need a permanent home for Passion Life Church. So what I want to announce to you today, this year for our Heart for the House offering, we are going to start what we are calling Vision Builders. Everybody say that with me. Say Vision Builders. Say it loud. Say Vision Builders. And say this with me. Say it is time. Now I'm going to tell you today, I am going to preach today. We're going to go through scriptures. We have scriptures. This is not just some, some different announcements, but I think you need to know the context of, of what's happening and what, what's important and, um, and why we're making this decision to launch out. Um, I think this is an indicator that's helping us. In about seven months, the school here, the uh, district, is raising our rent triple from what we are paying today. Today we are paying, depending on the Sundays, we pay fourteen to $1,600 a month. In seven months, they are going to raise that to $1,600 a Sunday. Uh, so we will, that will lead us to six to $7,000 a month for our church budget. And uh, I want to say I honor the school. We're thankful for the school. We're thankful for everything that they have done and allowing us to use this and to rent this facilities. But I truly believe for the church to pay $7,000 a month to access the church once a week is not wise. Can I hear a good amen today? Because there's so many things that we are not doing that we need to do. We need a new home. We need a home so we can start our nursery ministry for our young babies, right? Many of you, uh, you want to serve in the nursery, and we just have not built that yet. But how many of you know it would be so much easier to be able to walk into a room that already have cribs and all of those things that our workers can be a part of in that place? Our youth need a place that they can call their home and meet. I thank James and Carrie who are here today for opening up their home and, and we're doing like a life group style and they've done a great job. Mark and Elsa are doing a phenomenal job. But how many of you know if we could have a building where they can have their own band and do their own thing and, and it would be an amazing time. How many of you believe that together? And so we need that. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. Our worship team, the amazing worship team, they need a rehearsal space. You know, what we do is oftentimes when we have big events is we actually rent a rehearsal space, you know, and we're, we're doing the best of what we have where we're at. We need to be able to have prayer meetings. My, my church family, I'm going to share with you some vision today. My, my, my heart is to do a conference every year, a Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, bringing guest speakers and just blow things out of the water, have an incredible time. And to do that once a year where people would travel and come, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm speaking into the future. One of my visions is in our new building is to start a leadership school, a leadership school for what? Because when people come and they say, Hey, I want to learn how to lead worship. I want to be a, a worshiper that there be a worship track that they can go to in the evenings. And we would have people teach them worship. Maybe you have a desire to be a pastor and you have a desire to do something in the ministry. We want to help facilitate you. Why? Because our vision is that we want you to know God. We want you to grow in faith. We want you to discover your purpose so you can go and make a difference. And so we not only want to reach people, we want to disciple people, and we want to send people out into the world. Can I hear a good amen today? 
And so we are so excited about that. And so I'm so excited because we've never announced this before. And I think that with the school telling us what's happening, I think it's just an indicator. How many of you know the story of the eagle, the mother eagle? What does she do? She starts to disrupt the comfort, right? The comfort that the little eaglets have been experiencing. And oh, is it uncomfortable, right? And what do they do? They disrupt the net, the nest. Why? So the eagle can learn how to fly. Now, as much as that uncomfortableness will happen and the disruption of the nest, the eagle was always meant to fly. And we were meant to soar. And we need to take territory here in Marietta, California. We need to have a stake in the territory here. Why? So we can reach more people. Can I hear a good amen today? Have you found 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1? Have you found it yet? David, who had killed Goliath, was king now. He was king, and he was the man that God said he was a man after my own heart. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 tells us what David loved to do. He loved to sit around. He loved to think about God. He loved to think about God's house. He would sit around and just think about God like that. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 says this. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest. Everybody say rest. How many of you could use some more rest? Come on. He said, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him. Notice that he had enemies all around him, but you can still have rest because God is with you. How many of you know who's with you is more than who is against you? And we can rest in that verse too. So he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar. In other words, here I am. I'm living in my palace where the ark of God remains when the ark of, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. So David was very, very wealthy. He had won many battles. He had taken many spoils. And one day he's sitting in his palace and he's looking at all of the beauty, all of the wealth that he has. And then he looks and somehow he sees the Ark of the Covenant. And he's thinking about God's presence and how they're taking the Ark, which represented where the presence of the Lord was. And it was just portable. And David said, I sit here in my palace. I have and own such a beautiful home, but there is not a temple and a home for my God. Maybe that's why God called him a man after his own heart. Because here's what I know. A heart for God always translates into a heart for his house. See, when you say you love God, then you love what he loves. God loves his church. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I understand that the church is not a building. It's a people. But the people come together in a building. And so David loved God, but he also loved God's house. You know, I talk to a lot of people who are Christians, yet anti-church. What, what do I mean by that? They, they just don't see that. They actually argue against coming to church. They argue about, well, do I, you know, have to come to church? I can still be in a relationship with God and come to church. Yeah. That's like me saying, I don't have to go home to be married to my wife. Do I really have to go home to be married? 
I wonder how good that relationship would be if I don't come home, especially when my wife says, I love our house. I love my house. And you're like, yeah, but do I really have to come home? See, a heart for God always translates in a heart for his people. This is why Psalms 133.1 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Verse 3 says this, For there, where? For there, where? For there, the Lord commands a blessing. When we come together, there is a blessing that happens that you cannot get on your own. I believe in reading the word on my own. I believe in praying on my own. I believe in worshiping on my own. But there's nothing like hundreds of people coming together, opening up their mouth and beginning to praise the Lord. Because it's a sound that resounds. It's a sound that inspires faith when you come together in the congregation. And the Bible says that when we do that, that there he commands a blessing. Amen. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling, everybody say assembling, the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some have. So this has always been a thought. I just won't go. It doesn't matter. Right? It says, but exhorting one another. So when we come together, there should be an encouragement and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Now notice Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, not forsaking, just showing up. Showing up is the first step, but it says this, the assembling of ourselves. You know, if I had an antique car in my garage and I took out all of the motor and all, all of the parts and had all the parts in my garage, they would all be there. But here's the thing, they would not be assembled. So the car cannot move. The car cannot take its rightful place and fulfill its purpose. Even though the parts are there, they are not assembled. And so what God is saying is the church is this force. How many of you know that we are a city on a hill? The Bible says that the church is so powerful that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it when we are the church. We are to be salt. We are to be light to this community. But we can't do that on our own. We have to come together and do what God is calling us to do. I actually believe, I know you're going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but I actually believe the church can still change the world. Can I hear a better amen than that today? I believe for us as the church, if we would be who God is calling us to be, that Satan cannot stand against us. The problem is that we cannot even assemble. That's why it's so important that we come together. You know, I've been in the ministry for 30 years. And I've witnessed the power of what happens when people come to church. I've seen what happens. Encouragement comes to people. Faith arises. You know what I've seen? I've seen barriers broken in people's lives. I've seen people do things that they never thought that they would do because when they come into an atmosphere of faith, they're encouraged, they're challenged. I've actually seen people set free in the congregation. I've seen people receive miracles right during the worship, even before the pastor gets up. I've seen people come together in this house and in other places that I've pastored, I was a youth pastor for 20, 20 years. I've seen people, are you ready for this? That came to the house. They not only met a friend, but they actually got married. Come on, somebody. I think the church is better. It's the best place to meet somebody. Okay, you don't think that. That's all right. Keep, keep going to Hooters. See if you meet somebody there. God bless you. 
I'm gonna try that again. I think the church is the best place when you're single to meet somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? I love when I tell you to say that because then people are like, well, you know, people at the church aren't perfect. Yeah, so go ahead and rationalize going to the bar. See how many perfect people you're going to find there. I'd rather at least hook myself up with somebody who's trying. Come on, somebody. They're trying to go in the right direction. I've watched people become best friends. I've watched couples become great friends with other people. I've, I've watched some couples become godparents to other people in the church. I've watched the church feed people when some of their friends are in the hospital. I've watched other people provide cars for people when they couldn't get a ride. I've seen the power of the church. I've watched marriages that weren't doing so well come to church and sit before the counsel of the word of God and their lives get better. I've seen it. You can argue with me, but I've seen it, I've witnessed. Can I just tell you this? I've also witnessed when people started to get distracted. Those same people who they're, they're, they were doing well. They, they actually, we had a man in the church who was addicted to alcohol. And by just <laughs> simple coming to church, two hours of your Sunday, coming to church, being in worship, under the counsel of the word of God, totally got free from alcoholism. I know you're not shouting because it's not you, but that's a miracle. Because you can spend your life in counseling, and I'm not against counseling. Please, if you need to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. But I'm telling you, when you sit under the counsel of the word of God, it can change your life. And that same person, all of a sudden, and again, here's my new word for this year, indicators. Indicator, they start missing. Once, I get it. You got it. You got to, you got to go. You got, you got stuff. I get it. Two weeks. You're not here. Then all of a sudden we start asking, hey, where's, where's so-and-so? Oh, you know, they're doing this. They're doing that. And okay, charger game here, this, that. Okay. And then to me, it's always an indicator of you are doing well, but the house of God is an indicator of where you're at. And you know what happens? And I, I'm thinking of people right now. They're, guess what happens? They start picking up that bottle again. They start at home again, having problems with their wife again. I'm sure that there's other elements that I'm talking about that are implied here, but I know one of the biggest indicators was they stopped coming to church. I counsel people, I do a lot of counseling, and I'm gonna tell you why. I think it's a highlight of our church because the people that are coming to our church are receiving the counsel of the word of God as you sit there. And I'm telling you, I'm not against counseling. If you need to go, go. Talk to somebody. Do that. But one of the highlights that I've seen of our church and even our youth ministry is a lot of people don't come to counseling because they're sitting under the word and it's, it's, it's helping them. They're getting answers, the answers that they need. And it's funny to me because, and I'm just, I just want to show you the power of the church. I do count. I remember a couple of times, and it's happened here at this church, I'll be sitting with somebody on a Tuesday, you know, and uh, so they'll need counseling and I'll sit down and maybe somebody I really don't know, haven't really seen at church. And I'll just say, hey, what can I do? And they start telling me everything. And I'm telling you, this has happened to me over and over again. I will sit there and I'll say, were you at church on Sunday? And they said, no. I said, we actually talked about this on Sunday. And I began to go for it. And, and here's what I said. I just want to encourage you. I can give you a one-on-one -on -one at Starbucks 
but it's more anointed when you come to church and there's worship and the people are singing and I'm way more anointed right now than I am sitting at Starbucks drinking a latte trying to go through points with you. Can I hear a good amen today? Because there is an atmosphere in this room that miracles can happen. That's not just going to happen with me sitting down, going through three points on how to change. But listen, there are times where I don't even have to preach, but during the worship, you can be in an atmosphere where the miraculous can flow and God can change your life. Can I hear a good amen today? Listen, yes, I know it can happen personally, but I've seen it more often not than happen. It'll happen in the house of God when we come together. This will be a house of miracles. Can I hear a good amen today? And listen, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to guilt anybody from not showing up, but I'm just telling you this. I've watched the trajectory of people's lives and the ones who stay in the house of God always do better. Always. Can I tell you? That's why I'm here. Cause I need to, I need to stay out of trouble. It's a little too real for some of you. But being here has helped me grow, being around people, even when I get tired. I was thinking about Angie. She sings in our worship. I was telling her the other day at rehearsal, I said, Angie, you just encourage me so much. I've known Angie probably for about four years. There hasn't been one day that I've come in contact with Angie when she's been down. She's always passionate. She's always up. She's always excited. And there's times I've known she's been going through stuff because she'll tell me later. And I said, I didn't even know that because on Sunday you were passionate. And I just want you to know your passion rubs off on me. I need to be around people too. See, it's hard to lose your faith when you're around a lot of people who are full of faith. It's hard to doubt when the people around you saying, come on, believe. But oh, when you get isolated and those thoughts start getting in your head and oh, the day, and it's not going to work. And you have somebody in the church saying, hey, don't listen to those voices. Listen to the voice of God. You're going to make it. It's going to happen. God's going to do the impossible. It matters. It matters. It's amazing what God can do when we come together. I was thinking about this. Seriously, how hard? Is it to come, give two hours of your life on a Sunday? In, a, in everything that we do a week, two hours of your Sunday, I'm telling you, it can change your life. And so David has a heart for God's house. And a heart for God always translates in a heart for his house. And people tell me, well, I love God. Well, do you love his house? The church, we are the bride of Christ. To say you love God, but don't love his church. That's like you telling me, Phil, I love you, but I don't love your wife. Oh, you have a problem with me if you don't like my wife. She's like the sweetest person I've ever met. If she was God, I'd be the devil. No, I'm just kidding. Like she's, she's amazing, right? But we are the church. We are the bride of Christ. And look at God's response to David's desire because he wants to build God a temple. Look at this, because I think this is going to bless you. Second Samuel chapter seven, verse 11. It says, the Lord declares to you, he's talking to David, the Lord declares to you, David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. What? So here's a promise. In David's heart, he says, God, I want to build you a house. I want to build you the temple. God says, you want to do what for me, David? He says, I want to build your house. Here's what God says, because you can never outgive God. God says, you want to build me a house? Well, here's what I'm going to do for you, David. I'm going to build your house. 
I'm going to build your house. See, when you build God's house, God will build you a house. That's what he was saying to David. When I Listen, you cannot outgive God. When you build my house, David, I will build your house. Listen to what God told David. 2 Samuel 7, 16. Your house and your kingdom, David, will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. How many of you would love God to establish your house? Let me say it this way. Establish your marriage. Establish your parenting. Hear me. He says forever. See, I I know sometimes that we can look for tomorrow. My son, I blinked my eyes. He's 13 years old. I used to carry him like this. And yesterday he came and talked to me and he was right here. He used to be like, hey, dad. Now he's like, hey, dad, uh, could you? And his voice is changing. He's like, hey. Blinked my eyes, 13 years, right? It's crazy how time. And we think about, I think about him. I'm already praying that God will bring a a good woman, that he's going to be a man of God. But you know what I'm also thinking? I'm also thinking that God would establish his children because we serve a generational God that one day I know it's going to hurt when they're like, grandpa, I'm like, I'm a grandpa. (laughs) That's okay. What an honor to be a grandfather right? That one day when he has his little baby and I'm there, that generationally God would not just establish our marriage, not just establish our family with us three, but he will establish my son and his kids because God thinks generationally. And I'm saying this not to just talk about myself. I'm saying this because this is what God's desire is for you, for you to him to establish your house. Listen, the Bible says that if, if God doesn't build the house, what happens? We labor in vain. That's one thing I don't like. I don't have a lot of pet peeves, but one of the things I hate is meaningless work. I hate to labor and not see results. And the Bible promises me that if God builds my house, then you know what? I won't labor in vain. And if he builds it, he can establish it. Even when my son's not around me, even when he's making his decisions, God's promise to us is that he will establish our house. Now, I'm going to tell you something about David. David didn't just think about God's house. David was a worshiper. Have you ever met some worshipers? They're a little different. They're a little artsy. I don't know if you've ever met some. Maybe one of you are married to one. You know what I'm talking about. Just a little bit flighty sometimes. Some of you know artistic people, and we love you. I like to say I'm artsy. My head's in the clouds, but my feet are on the ground because I have to be faithful. I have to, and I love worship people. I love that. David was a worshiper. I mean, to tell you how artsy he was, I mean, he praised the Lord naked. I mean, that's just the, the thing. I was doing that the other day, and my wife, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. But David would worship, but he didn't just think about God's house. He worshiped, and he didn't just worship. He was actually a warrior. He actually won battles, and actually, that's a characteristic of a, war, a worshiper is they are a worshiper, but they're also warriors. They win battles. But David didn't just think about God's house. He didn't just pray. He didn't just praise. You know what the Bible says about David? That he gave to God's house to build the temple out of his own personal treasure. Listen to this, 2 Samuel 24, 24. David was so passionate. He says, I will not offer 
burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. First Chronicles 29.3 says, Moreover, because I delight, listen to his words about God's house, I delight in the house of my God, the personal treasure that I have of gold, silver, I will give to the house of God in addition to all that I have already provided for the house of the Lord. If you read on everything that David gave, translated today in today's economy, it would have probably been, I don't know, they think about $20 billion that he gave to the house of the Lord. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that David wasn't just a, I love God's house. I'm not going to give to God's house. He says, I love God's house. And because I love my words, will actually match my actions. And he gave to God's house. I'm gonna tell you something. When you give to God like David did, he says, I will establish your house. But when we give to God, can I make a promise to you that the Bible makes to us? We'll never go without, never lack, never lack. Do you know my son loves Chick-fil-A? I don't know what they put in that food. I think they put crack. I'm just going to be honest with you. That's the secret sauce. It's the secret ingredient. He loves Chick-fil-A. He's to the point now where one large fry will not do. He must have a medium and an additional large fry. Hey, he's a growing boy, right? But the other day, we were sitting there. I was like, I'll buy you Chick-fil-A. He's a good boy. He does good. He's doing good in his class. We're so proud of him, right? And so we're eating there, and I, I bought him. I was... Uh, just fasting and he had his fries out and I was like, Hey Gav, uh, could I, could I have a fry? And he put his hands over his fries and he said, no, they're my fries. And I thought that's funny because who bought the fries and you don't know, but with the credit card that I have, I might be able to buy Tons of fries, a fry maker for our house. But in that moment, I had to stop him and say, I just want to remind you who your provider is. I said, because if you don't give me a fry, I may never buy them for you again. Things got real intense at that point, right at Chick-fil-A, happiest place on earth besides Disney. Right, and I said, and he said, no, I, I get it, Dad, right? And so then he gave me a little fry this big. <laughs> and I said, okay, watch. It's because he thinks if he gives me a big fry or any fries, he's going to go hungry. What kind of father am I if I take all your fry? One fry is going to make you go hungry? But that's what he thinks with a plethora of fries in front of him. And I thought, you know, God, that's kind of how we, we do. You bless us with so many things, and then you ask us to give. And we're like, no, I won't eat today. I can't pay that bill. I can't. Can I just tell you, when you give to God, you will never go without. Never go without. I'm telling you because we have done this. We've seen it. My wife and I have given up everything to be here and to plant Passion Life Church. Over nine, 10 years ago, we started. Church was doing great right before COVID. And man, when COVID hit, we were online for about 14 months. It really hurt us. A lot of people in our church 
moved to Texas. A lot of people moved out. A lot of people were upset because we didn't open uh, quick enough. I understand it. I get it. But we said, you know what? We were even praying, Lord, what are we supposed to be doing? We've given up everything to do what you've called us to do. And when we reopened, we rebuilt. But, you know, I was a youth pastor at 11 years at my previous church, had a great job, and God called us out here. We just got married, and then we were just in our first house. And so this means we would have to sell up our house. We'd have to sell and give our house. And you know what? We did. And we moved out here, and our house still wasn't sold. So we were paying on an apartment and still paying on our house. And we were like, God, we're, we're just taking steps. And so, thank God, our house sold. And then, you know what? We took the money from that house that God gave us, and we tithed, and we gave to the church. Because we understand this. We put God first. Many of you in this room have been to our house. And I'm not, I'm not here to brag. I'm, not, I'm just telling you what people say when they walk in our house. Oh, man, I really love your house. This is a beautiful house. And I have to stop and say, this is a miracle house. It's not our. It's a miracle house. You know why? Because we gave up everything for him. And do you know, we went back the other day uh, to where we used to live in El Paso, drove by our old house, and we're like, we're so glad we left. God knew what he was doing. And you know what scripture I based that off? This has been an incredible scripture to me. Jesus said, Mark chapter 10, verse 29. He said this, and Jesus answered and said, verily, I say unto you, there is no one. Everybody say no man. There is no man that hath left house or brother or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's sake. Watch this because watch when we give to God, you never go without. He says, but he who those people who have left their house, their homes, their sisters, their father he says but he shall receive a hundredfold in heaven what does it say now in this lifetime houses brothers sisters mothers and children and lands watch with with oh you're clapping go ahead clap because then what i'm about to read you won't clap good so clap now all right with persecutions what does that mean you know, in the, in the New Testament, the only suffering that is allotted to the believer is the suffering of persecution. It's not sickness. It's people saying, why are you doing that? That's stupid. We had people going, why, you just bought this house. Why are you giving it? Why are you going over there? You're going to California? People in California are so weird. I was like, I know. We're going to feel right at home because we're weird too. Some of you are like, I can't believe you just said that. I'm not weird. Yeah, you are. We are all in our own way. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? I get around people like, <laughs> they're bothered by things. Like, that bothers you? That's weird. But then if you learn about the things that bother me, it's weird. We're all a little weird in some way, but that's okay. That's what makes us cool. That's what makes us good. And they're like, you're going to move out there? You're leaving your job? We're, we're leaving our family behind? <clears throat> the people that are always around us and everything. But can I just tell you to this day, what God has done, his word is true because not only has he gives us houses for us, he's given us houses in this congregation for people that have invited us into their home and have fed us. There's houses. You know, I left my mom and my sister and my brother. And you know what God has done in our life in the past 10 years? He has brought us brothers and sisters. Some of you are my brothers 
brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, some friends in our life have now become our family. Why? Because God will never let you do without. You know what I'm saying is true. Some of you have friends that you wish they were your family opposed to the family that you have. And don't despise that because God can do that. God can bring friends in your life that become your family, that they're like, man, we're bros. Like, yep. What is that? That's this promise in your life that God brings about whatever you give. And it says this, look, persecutions, people will say, don't do that. So it's not only in this lifetime, but he says in the world to come in eternal life. So what I give in this life to quote a great gladiator quote movie, whatever happens in this life echoes in eternity. So God sees it. Why? Not because he's like this, because he wants to abundantly bless you. Listen, he told, Je he told David, I want to build your house, establish it forever. God is a multi-generational blessing God. I want to say that again. God is a multi-generational blessing God. Do you know what the Bible says? That Jesus came from the house of David. I thought, Man, I want Jesus' glory to come from my house, my lineage, my son, his kids. And so that's why it's time. It's time for you and I to arise and build. Build a house for God's glory. Build a house that many generations will come. My church family, listen, we're not going to build what we're going to build just for tomorrow. We're not going to build what we're going to build just for generations, although we will. Look at me today. What we're going to do is we're going to build for eternity. People will come to this house and this new church, and their lives will not only be changed in this life, but they will be in heaven because of what you and I did on earth. Can I hear a better amen than that? So it's time to arise and build. And so Nehemiah, when he was building the wall of Jerusalem, he said this, and this is a theme scripture for us. It says, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, his servants, we will arise and we will build. Did you know you're a builder? Did you know right now you're building? You're building your health. The health you have is the health you build. Do you know that you're building friendships and the friendships you have is the friendships that you build. You're building your marriage, and the marriage you have is the marriage that you build, your family. And I believe that is true with this house. The house that we build will be the house that we have. So what are we going to do? We are going to position ourselves in this next seven months. We're going to position ourselves for possession. This right here, my church family, is a principle for life. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray and ask God what he would have you doing. Why are we going to do that now? We're going to start exercising our faith now. How? By our giving. Can I ask you a question? What are you personally believing God for? What are you personally believing God for? You know, when we got our house in El Paso, we were thrilled. We were like, this is it. This is our forever home. And you know, 
the other day we were sitting in our new home and we're just going, look what the Lord has done. Like we couldn't even imagine this. We, we, we couldn't even have fathomed this, but we love it so much. And we didn't even know we would love it. We didn't know until we're sitting in and going, this is the miracle. And what I'm saying to you is we didn't even know to believe for that. We just believed the house we got. And yet God had more than what we could even think or imagine or ask. And so what I'm saying to you is what are you believing personally for the Lord in your life? Now, I'm asking you this question. Are you preparing and positioning yourself to possess what you are believing for? Listen, watch. Not just praying. Positioning yourself to possess. Preparing. Not just praying. Praying's part of preparing. But what I'm saying is that if you really believe and what you're believing for, are you really getting ready for that? You know, we have a couple people in the church right now. They're in high school, and they have a dream. Their goal is they want to do production, right? And so what are they doing? They're doing their school, but then on Sundays, they're serving in the house of God. They're getting involved in the production team. Why? Because they are actually preparing and positioning for themselves to possess the goal that they have for their life. You know what that does, my church family? That's faith. That's faith. I love when I hear people in the church say, Pastor Phil, we're believing for a child. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to serve in the kids ministry. Think about that. We're going to serve in the kids ministry. Why? Because we're going to position ourselves to possess the kids that we believe God would have. Listen, watch this. So they're going to serve other people's children when they don't have children themselves. You know what that is? That's faith. It's actually called the law of reciprocation. What is that? That is when you refresh other people, God refreshes you. Watch this. When you make things happen for other people, it actually will happen for you. Can I hear a good amen today? You know what? We, I know this principle. That's why for the last 10 years, it's time. Do you know for the last 10 years, we have been giving to other people's building programs? You didn't know this because I don't tell you all the time. A thousand dollars here, a thousand dollars there. A friend, I'll get a letter. Hey, we're building our house. Well, guess what? I could say, no, we need our building. You know, we need our house. We're going to do that. So we're just going to put that in savings. Listen, seed that sits doesn't produce anything. I'm all about savings, but what good is it to have savings, but a seed is more, can be more than your savings. So you know what we've been giving for the last 10 years? We have been investing. Why? Because I know that what God will do for us if we make it happen for other people. And sometimes it's a little hard because I'm like, God, we need our building as well. But you know what? We gave and we gave and I'm believing for the harvest that God has for us because now is our time. Can I hear a good amen today? You know, when I was thinking about this, this law, the law of reciprocation, you see it in the Bible. Do you know Abraham and Sarah were believing for a child for years and years? You know the story. But do you know when they got their Isaac? The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 20, when Abraham and Sarah were praying for the king Abimelech of the Philistines. Listen, they're praying for the king to have babies, but they don't have a baby themselves. And you know what the Bible says? As they're praying for others to get what they don't have yet, the Bible says the next chapter, first two verses, Genesis 21, Sarah conceived. Oh, there's another one. What about Job? Did you ever read about Job? You ever read all the things that happened to him? Do you know when it all stopped? 
it all stopped. I just encourage you to, to read it. It all stopped. Job chapter 42, verse 10, it says, after Job prayed for his friends, God restored twofold. What? When Job took his eyes off himself and all of the things that he wanted and started to make prayers for other people, God restored double for his trouble. Okay, I'll give you another one. What about Joseph? Joseph had a dream. He was persecuted for his dream, put in prison for his dream, and he is exalted in the prison, and he's looking at other prisoners, and he sees some prisoners that are down, and he says, why are you so down today? Hello, we're in a prison. And you know what? He's looking at other people. So many people, when they get in the prison of their life, the temptation is to be selfish all the time. My heart goes out to people. But he didn't do that. He's actually, while he's in prison, he's looking at other prisoners saying, why are you so down? And you know what they said? Because we have had a dream. Can you interpret the dream? You know what Joseph could have said? A dream? What you talking about, Willis? A dream? I have a dream. This was before Martin Luther King Jr. said it. He said, I have a dream. You know what he could have said? Talk to me about your dreams. It's not what he did. But he enacted the law of reciprocation. He began to serve two other people's dreams before his own dream came to pass. And I'm going to tell you, my church family, it was in serving those two guys. One would die and one would go on to be with Pharaoh and be restored to Pharaoh's court. And it was through that ministry of other people that when Pharaoh had a dream, the guy said, hey, I remember this guy, Joseph. I think it's funny because we all want to stand in the palace. We all want to stand before Pharaoh. We all want to, you know, minister to Pharaoh and tell him about his dreams. But nobody wants to minister to the butler and the baker who are in the prison next to them. But it was because he served somebody else's dream before his dream came to pass that actually allowed him to step into the dream that God had for him. He served the butler's dream, the baker's dream. He served Pharaoh's dream, and then God gave him his dream. I've served two other men, two other pastors for 20 years before God said, I'll give you your own now. And I didn't serve them for that. I told God, I'm not going to be a a senior pastor. I'm not. I'm going to hang with the kids because they keep me young. I don't want to get around people who have all these blockages about, I ain't going to believe, and the kids are just so open. I'll do that. I'll tell you what, never say never to God. And then for 20 years, I served other people's visions, other people's dreams, and I never complained. And you know what I could tell you is this law works because when you serve with all your heart and you serve somebody else, when you serve them, God brings about what you need in your life. Can I hear a good amen today? And so you build God's house. He told David, I will establish your house forever. So I want to end with this today. Did you learn something today? These are principles for your life. So what are we about to do? My church family, we are going to make history. You and I today are going to make history. We've never planted a church with a building, but you're going to make history. 
What is history? History is we're going to bring his story to Marietta. And I'm telling you today, I want to give you the opportunity to be involved. Today, Janie's here. Janie has been with us for over 10 years. Janie has been with us since we started the church. Inez, her family has been here. They have been here since the very start. And I was just thinking about them as I was talking about them, as I was thinking about what we're about to do, because to be able to think back that you started with the church and you've watched it and you've given and you've prayed, and now you're going to watch it step into a new level. Man, what an amazing opportunity. And some of you have told me that as well. Pastor Phil, I'm so excited to be here. Man, the church is growing. We're seeing it grow. I want to be a part of that, to watch and be a part of this thing grow. I'm like, man, it's amazing. It's hard sometimes, but I'll tell you what, when you... When you get planted in the house of God, you'll grow. And so I'm just excited for you, Janie. I'm excited for you, Inez, because this is something that you know would happen at some point. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to position ourselves to possess. We are actively and have been looking and searching for buildings. We are expectant for God to lead us to where he wants us. Listen, it would be great if I had a diagram today to say, this is it. But it didn't happen that way. We got this notification from the school and we prayed, we talked with our lead team and we're like, we need to launch out. We need to, we need to go for this and we need to let the congregation know as soon as possible. I didn't want it to be a month and go, hey guys, rent's going up next week and we all need to know. I think it's more faith to say, we're gonna prepare in these next seven months for what God has for us. We're going to prepare. We're going to prepare. I wish I had all the numbers laid out for you. I don't. But here's what I can tell you. We are going to prepare, and that's not going to stop us from positioning ourselves for whatever God has for us. We're going to get ready. Everybody say get ready. Here's what I'm believing for. I'm believing for a debt-free building. That we don't have to pay the bank hundreds of extra millions of dollars to have a church. How can that happen? Two ways. God can give us a building. How many of you know that's hap- that can happen in Jesus' name? I said, how many of you know that can happen? Come on. Oh, we believe it. What's another way it can be debt-free? All of the money comes in where we pay cash. So here's what I'm going to tell you. We are setting our goal today for $400,000. $400,000. You say, man, Pastor Phil, that's a lot of money. Actually, it's not. I've been doing my homework for 10 years on this city. You know, there's a, a prime piece of property right next to Super Target over here on Clinton Keith. So I called. How many of you know the worst thing they could tell you is no? That's it. How many know faith has a big ask? Come on, A-S-K. I called. Hey, what about that property? And I'm just letting you know. Oh, it's been sold. How much did it sell for? $4 million. Okay, $4 million. Uh, how much would it be to, well, just so you know, to put all the plumbing inside the dirt, all that, $9 million. $13 million. That's not even the building. That's just the property. So what I believe this $400,000, I'm telling you what I do know. Here's number one. Any building in Marietta, obviously not the school, but that is called a church needs a permit. It's called a conditional use permit. The conditional use permit, just the application is $9,000. That's, that's for them to come in and the inspectors to come in. So you need a new bathroom here. You need this. You need that. My church family, we need our own church chairs. Each church chair is 60, 55 to $60 plus tax. One church chair. 
I'm going to tell you something. We're not going to be cheap in this church. This is going to represent the house of God. And I say that because there's some of you already, I'll just bring my old foldy chair. That's okay. No, no, no. That's not this house here. Have different color folding chairs. And you're like, I didn't give, but I'll bring my chair. No, we're, we're going to have all the same. Can I hear a good amen today? I said, you laugh at me, but I've been doing this for a long time. Pastor Phil, right? <laughs> we need a brand new state-of-the-art sound system. Somebody comes in, I got a Bluetooth speaker that you can use. That's not what we're going to use. <laughs> Come on, I, you know people like that. I have two, you can use two. They connect. No, my church family, we have been using these speakers since we started for 10 years. And you know what? We have been faithful over them. We have been faithful. And one of the reasons why we haven't invested a whole bunch in our sound system is because we're portable. And stuff breaks all the time. You know, you ask, oh, why, why are we <laughs> taking up offerings and tithes? Well, first to honor the Lord, but sometimes that goes towards repairs. Can I hear a good amen today? And so for some of you, like, man, I really love the worship, the way it's sounding. Yeah, it sounds amazing. We're doing the best that we have, but we need a new state-of-the-art sound system. Can I hear a good amen today? Our worship team, they are amazing. But I'm telling you, when we hook them up to a new sound system, it's going to be awesome. Everybody look at me. It's been prophesied over us that we would have a, a worship album of original songs for our church that would go around the world. And we need a place that the, the worship team can rehearse. We need lighting. Everything you see up here on these sides and that stage wash is all the schools. We need state-of-the-art lighting. We need new computers. We want to better our live stream. People watch the live stream. Some of you have watched our live stream, and we're thankful that you came, but we know that we can do better. We need new computers to be able to do stuff. My church family, we need new cameras. That camera right there is about $1,500. It is the lowest end camera. I know I still look good on it. I know some of you are like, yeah, 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 but it's HD. But I'm just telling you, medium cost for cameras is six to $7,000. High end is 10. And we need two. We can't just be having one in today's world. Now, why haven't we purchased more? Because we also know we're portable. So we didn't think bringing $20,000 cameras in here and hooking them up every week, we are gonna do the best with what we have where we're at. And we've always done that. The Lord knows that. Can I hear a good amen today? And so after 10 years of setting up, tearing down our equipment in a portable location, it's time for a permanent home. I said, it's time for a permanent home. Listen, I'm almost done. Is it okay if I just take a couple more moments? We've never talked about this before. So as the people of God, we're builders. And so we're going to build. And we're going to ask you to pray. And we're going to ask you to ask God, God, what would you have us do? Now, bless you. Now, what I'm going to say, hear my heart. We're asking you to give above and beyond. What do I mean by that? For some of you that never give, if you gave something, that's above and beyond. For those of you that are giving your tithe and your offering, listen, we can't take our tithes and offerings and put it towards the new building and tell the school, hey, we can't pay you this month because, you know, we're booking it. We, our general operating fund has to continue to operate. So we're asking you to ask God and the Holy Spirit, what would you have us 
do. Watch this. When he puts an amount on your heart, you may say, Phil, we don't have that amount. I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. Listen, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, it's a great opportunity. Now he who supplied seed to the sower. When God gives you an amount, you may not have it, but this is what it means. He's going to bring it to you. It's very exciting. But notice what he doesn't say. He supplies seed to the keeper. He says he supplies seed to the sower. And he says, and bread for food and supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase your fruits. So it starts out as seed, but then it turns into bread and it multiplies the seed that turns into more bread. In January, we're gonna do 21 days of fasting. We'll be on Zoom in the morning for 21 days, about 6.30 in the morning. For about 15, 20 minutes, we'll be praying. You can join us. We're gonna pray and fast. And so... Two more minutes. I want to read this. I just picked up this great book. I love it. I really like the author. I think he's up and coming. He's just awesome. And Mark Twain, watch out. In July, I wrote this. And I read this the other day, and it gave me chills. Listen to this. wrote this in July before any of this happened in the, my Into the Deep book. God has handpicked you to live beyond your perceived limitations. What you thought was possible. God desires for his life to dwell and flow through your very being. It's nothing normal. There's nothing normal about this. You were not designed to be a mediocre person, a mediocre church. Therefore, refrain from aiming for average. How many of you know if you aim for average, you'll hit it all the time? This is an astonishing life. Not one of mere existence, but of significance and importance. It is the life you were created for, the life you were meant to live. Watch this. God is about to do something new in your life. It will be unprecedented. The path that God has prepared for you will surpass any expectations you have about your own life. Right now, there is no point of reference for what awaits for you. It's not a life that is a replica of someone else's. What he is about to do in you has never been seen in your mother, father, grandparents, or neighbors. I know, I may buy this book. The Bible says, and I'll end here, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no one's heart has imagined all of the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God, 1 Corinthians wrote that in July. My church family, this series that we've done in the church, I did not know that this is where we're about to live. We're going into the deep. And we're going to trust God and believe God like we've never believed him before. We're going to pray, and this is what we're going to do. We have printed these postcards. They're beautiful. 
And so with these postcards, you can take them. You can take a couple. I'm giving them to friends. We're giving them to people that we know that don't even come to the church. And I'm going to tell you, whenever you ask somebody for money, it's actually a, a point of praise. It's actually a compliment. When somebody comes up to me and says, hey, will you buy this? I'm like, oh, you think I have money, huh? I do. So we have friends that we're saying, hey, our church is building a brand new building. And would you like to be a part of that? So I'm going to ask that you take this. On the back is a QR code. Maybe you would ask the Lord what he would have you do, and you can make a pledge through PushPay. You can put an amount in there. You don't have to pay it today or tomorrow or next couple months, whatever. But you can put a pledge in there, what you believe God would have you do. And here you can make pledges and you can also pay towards our vision builders to be a part of that. And here's what I'm asking today. Somebody already gave. They saw this and they already gave. I'm like, man, we have so many overachievers in our, our church and I love it. Like, who's going to give first? But listen, I'm not asking for that today. I'm just asking simply that you would take this and pray and hear the voice of the Lord. That what would God do for you in your house today and in 2024? It's going to be amazing. And when you become a vision builder today, with your generous financial gift, what's going to happen? You're going to move this vision forward fast. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.